Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for First, your bi-weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk about Magic the Gathering. Um, I'm Dylan Beal, and I'm joined with my very good friend, uh, Dan Forziat, a uh, friend of the pod from Mechadoo Podcast. Uh, we talk about them um, every once in a while. Very good podcast. Don't forget to go check it out. What's up, Dan? Oh, thanks, Dylan. Yes, okay, so I, I guess I introduced myself. I've known Dylan for a long time. Um, we play Magic and stuff, play video games together, went to school together, that kind of stuff. Um, and I uh, am a co-host on a podcast that is about nerdy anime stuff. So you can go watch that if you're into that. So I don't know. Yeah. So I brought Dan along today, um, not because James left uh, last minute, um, not because Dan is the best modern player of all time, uh, not because of any any particular reason other than uh, he's a good friend of it. He, he said he'll come on. Um, but no, uh, we're just going to talk about some modern because that's what we've been playing the most and kind of what we got into magic together with sort of um so i know dan you basically got in um you know a couple years ago at this point doing mostly draft and then standard a little bit and then kind of more focused on modern right now and (laughs) yes i never really got super into drafting and standard rotated a little bit too quickly for my taste and i kind of found a spot with modern and so that's what i kind of want to talk about so I, i guess first what what decks do you play in modern so I started with, a long time ago, I bought this horrible budget mono red burn. You've probably seen the list on like MTG Goldfish or something. And then I never played it. I, I, just, that was, I just bought it and I thought it was cool. And I like sleeved it up in these nice sleeves. And then I never played it. Uh, and then finally when uh, Dylan and my friend Ian got into it, and they started doing it like actually competitively, I was like, okay, maybe I'll actually like, build something. So my first deck was actual burn and that went through like the craziest process like i said i had like the super budget tech and then i got to like mono red non-budget mono red burn and then finally i'm at full like boros burn splashing green that kind of thing and then just recently i decided to make the full commitment and then i bought full blue white control whatever full blue white control even is um but i have like some just pile of cards that's worth way too much money that i play so that's like my main deck right now so what is it about modern that you like the most? So like you mean Azorius? You said is it? <laughs> what, what do you no, I mean what do you like about modern the most? Uh it's super spiky. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite part. Like you you show up, right? And everyone else has their like their like $900 pile of cards and you sit down and there's no fun involved. Like if they say they they're here for fun, they're freaking lying to you, man. So you you put down your pile of cards, right? And you draw them. And then you either like walk away from that table extremely upset or extremely happy, and there's no in between because modern is really bullshit, and that's the only way that's gonna happen, right? So that's why I like modern. See, it's awful. I, it's see, awful I think form. that's that's why I like it too. But like, in I guess a positive light. So I sit down, and I play standard, and it's I don't know. It feels the the decks don't feel like they have like a personality like they do in modern right like you sit okay. down and you're like oh, i'm playing like mono red burn i guess like this is like the red deck you know everyone you know every every format has a red deck and it's like all right well how, you know i'm playing against the 50 million different controls or a bunch of different mid-range decks or the stompy decks and every like, you know you have the standard decks that are like standard right you always see like a stompy ish deck whether it's mm-hmm. cool or green and you always see the control decks and always see the red decks but in modern it's like the decks feel like they have a personality. They have a history. They have a story. It's really cool. Like, like we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about it, but like Modern Burn is like 
the pinnacle of burn almost like it's it's perfect it's calculated people have been sculpting this deck for like a decade now yeah um or you play against something like uh azorius control blue white control and it's like the perfect like embodiment of blue white control it has like some of the best counters it's all about mm. like gaining life and then like getting advantage and then you're like putting your snapcaster mages in and that's really cool and there's additions to it uh throughout time and like a Teferi comes in and Jace gets unbanned and you're like, wow, it's a real deck now. Like, yeah. I think that's really cool. And I, I like, I like the decks because they, they, they feel like they have that, that personality to them. Um, even if they're terrible, awful personalities like Tron. Yeah. Right. Wow. Fuck Tron. Okay. But anyhow, I know what you're saying though. Cause like there's obviously archetypes mm -hmm. in, in magic and in standard, it feels like every single standard rotation, there's that archetype, right? There's some differences, right? Like the, the Nexus deck, right? Which is like, you just play, you just win, right? It's like a cool combo deck. But it's right, you're like, every single time, you're like, here's your control deck, here's your stompy deck, here's that. But in modern, because there's such a long list and huge library of cards, and even, it's more crazy in like vintage and legacy, but you can just make these very specific broken combinations that don't have an archetype, right? Like, they might be some sort of combo deck, but it's like the new Neoform uh, Grizzlebrand deck, which is kind of like a, like, you know, that alone, like Grizzlebrand alone is its own weird type of deck that you would never see the archetype of in yeah. standard which is really cool i agree yeah and i don't know it's it it also feels good because it's yeah uh, you're investing a bunch of money into the decks but you know you don't really have to worry about it turning into nothing you know yeah so it, like, it you... feels bad to get a fetch land for like 30 to 50 dollars um you know scalding tarn uh you know notwithstanding <laughs> yeah, no. but um you can turn around and sell those and like even if you're getting back like 80 percent of your money it doesn't feel that bad yeah exactly it's just like okay like if, like if jace gets banned again will i feel awful yeah but like jace will always be used in like commander and other like formats so he won't like completely lose his value you know similarly like if they reprint jace how much can a reprinting do to a card that's 130 dollars for right oh no he drops down to a hundred right like he's still going to be worth like a crazy amount of money and that is nice about modern so like um and even it's like so like it feels like all these modern decks are so busted in a way that even if they're not tier one anymore they'll still win all the time right like what is it like living end like that deck is like kind of bad now right in a way yeah i don't know but like it's, not, it's, it's not still good yeah and like same with storm right like storm will still like pop out of nowhere and just like win games right is it really good now no but like it can win games yeah i mean i don't and run a very good deck right now like I, I i do run mono red phoenix which is like a tier two deck i guess but i also like 1.5 kind of yeah, yeah. 1.5 um but i mostly run eight rack which I mean that's like a tier three deck like it's not good like mm -hmm. it's it's not conventionally good but it is a good like it runs good cards and i go three one at my shop all the time um i went four and four at like a, a regional event which i mean for a tier three deck you know going even's not terrible and like i'm not great at it either like i'm not a great magic player either like i'm just you're playing at an average level that's pretty good for a deck and i mm -hmm. I, I never feel like if you're playing a deck from like MTG Goldfish that like at least has like co kind of a community around it that like plays it and tests out different versions, you can expect to to do fairly well at some point with it if you're playing well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not not saying like if you're playing like I don't know uh, the basic 
scape shift deck that you're going to come out on top at like a regional event or whatever but i mean if you're putting in the work you're you're playing the best version that you can of your deck you, you can do good at a shop or whatever mm-hmm. um definitely so i i also do want to talk about i guess your competitive career so i think oh gosh yeah, so one of the the biggest things about magic that i like is it's a really good outlet for my competitive nature so um we both used to be really into esports i'm still in esports um, <laughs> um but a lot of my competitiveness and where I actually play um, is now in Magic. And so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about how you got started, um, I guess, competing. So even outside of esports, just like your your history of competing and like where you found your niches, really. Okay, so as like the stereotypical nuclear family, um, my parents always made me do sports, like literally since I was like a fetus, right? So I like, pop out. I'm playing like center soccer, which you can dox me now if you look that up. Um, played like baseball, even like basketball as well. Like, like I mean, not competitively, right? But like I had to play these sports. I don't know why. Um, my parents just made me. And then even when I got into like middle school and high school, I had to do track and field. Like I w- that wasn't an option. I had to do it like even on the indoors, right? So I had to do like all of this stuff. And so I've always, I guess that's like sort of like the built-in nature of just like me being kind of competitive. And that's where I get like the real base roots are. Um, and then, like, when online games sort of came out, I had just played Call of Duty. Uh, like, I was one of those typical COD kids, right, on my Xbox 360. And I always took that, like, really ultra-competitive with my friends. Like, I would always try to get the highest KD possible. Like, one of those people, right? And then finally, one day, I go onto YouTube and I watch a Husky StarCraft video. And I'm like, this game seems bonkers, right? Like, I don't even know what he's saying, right? Because if you've ever seen a Husky StarCraft video, like, way back in the day... He's a really good color caster, uh, and Starcraft is really complicated, so he's, he's, like, saying stuff really quickly and, like, basically narrating the entire match, and it's like, whoa, this is wild, like, what's an SCV, what's the, what all is it? So I buy Starcraft 2, I go out and buy Starcraft 2 Wings of Liberty, uh, and I'm playing it on, like, this awful Dell laptop that I was using to, like, screen record all my awful Call of Duty videos that you can find on some abandoned YouTube channel, and I just start playing it, and I'm, like, kind of infatuated with the whole thing, because I'm playing it just for fun. And then I just start, like, watching more Husky StarCraft videos. And he does all of his videos based on pro games. And I'm like, wait, there's a pro scene? And then I look it up, and it's, like, at MLG. And, of course, if it's MLG, it's, like, super cool, right? And MLG has Halo and Call of Duty 2. So it's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So I start watching that, and I'm, like, telling my friends about this. And eventually, a bunch of my friends get into it. And we sort of get, like, also, like, incestually hyper-competitive with each other. And then sooner, rather than later, we're, like, Diamond League players. And we're like, oh, that's, like top like 18% or 10% or whatever that is and then one day I'm just like playing and I'm like diamond top eight and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm doing well and I got to masters and masters like now you like you have all these people who cop out and say like oh masters was top eight percent at this point blah 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 Uh, but I was masters for like a couple seasons and masters is supposed to be top two percent of the entire server right and then I went to Europe and I actually got masters in Europe as well on the European servers and I just like I was in love with Starcraft and you Dylan you can cut you can like chime in if i'm like monologuing but uh i i you know i would watch all the kespa league matches i would i subscribe to kespa I'll watch gsl if i could sometimes dylan and i would even stay up till like three or four whatever time the gsl like code s matches were on and we would be like really messed up at high school but it was so cool because i'll never forget was it oh god oh, no I, I was gonna i'll never forget but now i forgot it was like a group b it was the, it was group, yeah, the it, group, it was group b and it oh started god. it started sometime crazy like four or five a.m and I actually, I, I don't know how he did this, but I like convinced my dad. I was like, dad, I really <laughs> want to watch this, this group 
please, I really want to watch Tarkov, please let me go into school late. And he was like, what? I was like, <laughs> I want to get up at 5 a.m. and watch this until 10, and then please take me in at 10. He was just like, yeah, if I, if whatever, fine. Like, if you're that into it, I, I sure, dude. And it was it was Parting, which was my favorite player at the time. He's a Protoss player who invented a lot of cool build orders, right? Uh, Innovation, I think. Yep. Flash. And oh, who's the Zerg? DRG? Or Nesty? Oh, it was the little boy. Tiny oh, boys. Life. Really young. Life. life. Yeah, 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 life. yeah. Re- Rest in peace, Life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Life, for continuously destroying my favorite um, esport. But, um, and it was like Parting versus... Oh, was it Parting versus Flash or Parting versus Life? But anyhow, long story short, Parting won, like, spectacularly, and I just lost my mind. It was so sick. It was so good. Yeah. Um, but, going, yeah, but getting off of that, um, I played StarCraft 2, and that game was extremely hard to play competitively. Like, I had, like, a whole training regiment and all that stuff, and I won't go on about that. Um, but I started to fall off. Um, one, because I started to lose interest in the game, and the other, it was just, like, it was just too hard to play. Uh, so I stopped playing uh, towards the end of Heart of the Swarm, which I kind of regret because I really liked Legacy of the Void. Um, but yeah, so I, I I quit playing then, and a bunch of our friends sort of, you know, transitioned into fighting games. I, yeah, I, I played a little bit of Street Fighter 4 while I was playing StarCraft 2, and then that's sort of where I kind of made the big shift. And that's a really fun, you know, fighting games are really fun to play with friends. So we switched over to that and played that for a bit, and I didn't do very well in, t- like, in terms of, like, you know, relativity scale, skill-wise, I was not nearly at good, as good at fighting games as I was in StarCraft. Um, but we mostly just played that for fun, and I went to a few local uh, locals in, um, in Detroit and tested my medal there and did horrible. So finally, I get to Magic. And uh, Dylan and I have played Magic off and on for like 10 years, right? And I was like, I'll just try to get back into it. And Limited is like a great way to, to get into to magic and that's just where i started and that's sort of the end of it i just kept playing a lot of limited of uh, of ixalan and here we are today that's it sorry sorry for that long-winded speech no no it's good because i i think it, it really shows i think a couple things like once you like want to be really good at something it's hard to turn that off in your brain like i still even get this whenever i play overwatch and stuff it's like i'll play it and it'll be fun a couple games and then like i'll hit like my fourth game and i'm like okay, like, I, I really want to, like, I really want to do well. And then I'll have to be like, oh, wait, no, I, I don't want to get into this like this. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to get good at it. So I have to, like, turn that off. So um, it's, I, it, it is really tough when you play something that inherently is really competitive and to not flick that switch back on. And I think Magic is really good for this because, you know, like we were talking about with, like, fighting games or StarCraft or whatever, you really have to put in a lot of time to be really good. Um, but with Magic... You don't have to play like three hours a day to stay at your best. Like we can play like relatively like once a week or so and you don't really get worse. Like, yeah, obviously playing more with your deck, trying to understand your deck more, you'll get a lot better. But like you can be fairly competitive and play once a week at your LGS. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's like and I I actually had played um, in um, Ravnica Allegiance pre-release. I talked to a dude who was a. was like super into the fighting game community um, around me, and I was like I was talking to him all about it, and he's like, he's like, yeah, like the perfect thing about Magic is that yeah, there's no technical skill or physical skill involved with the game, so you don't have to worry about sitting in the lab and just you know plinking combos for like five hours. There's none of that. It's just 
it helps to play a lot, like don't get me wrong, because then you learn, like you, while you play, you learn a lot about the matchups and learn a lot. But also it's a lot of like book work too. Like if you can just like watch games or like learn about new things or read a sideboard guide, you can get better just by doing that. But in a fighting game, you can't do that at all. Like you, you can like learn new tech. That's what they call it. Like, oh, well, you know, like Hakan can do this weird slide thing into this and it's like unblockable, right? It's like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that. Now I do. But you still got to learn how to do everything up until that yeah, point. Yeah, you have to be able to execute it. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. And another aspect of it is that I guess a lot of like our comp- like competitiveness is very similar in the way that like we, we all, there's also like a social aspect of it. So like you played StarCraft and I played StarCraft and I was I was like fairly into it. And I followed the pro scene, but you know when we became friends, it was like oh wow, like you know there's my, my friends into it, I'm into it, and you know it perpetuates it further. Exactly, um, and they the same like thing with the fighting hype. games. Like like you got into fighting games, I got into fighting games, our friend group got into fighting games, and it perpetuated it. And mm-hmm. it really fell out once you know some of our friends started moving away after college. Once we started graduating. Fighting games really fell through because we didn't really have that like solid friend uh, community to play the game with anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Magic, it kind of worked the same way. It was like you were getting to Magic and you were playing Limited and stuff. And then like I was like trying to get into it, but then like I hit Modern and I really liked Modern and I started playing with our friend Ian. And then like we were all playing Modern and it was like okay now now we're like super into it because like there's this like friend community that kind of uh, perpetuates itself. Yeah, it, it's cool. You're right because we can talk about Modern all the time. Like I'll be like. Like, oh my gosh, here's this new Neoform deck that looks super stupid, right? And we're, like, talking about stupid stuff like that, right? And, you know, like, if you really do like it, like, again, I played, like, Magic for, like, a year, kind of, like, by myself. And I, but I liked the game so much that it was fine. I didn't really have anyone to talk yeah. to. But it was whatever. But now that it's, like, I can talk to you or Ian or, like, anyone about it, it's, like, it's you know, it's a lot of fun, right? We can talk about up-and-coming decks or, like, results or, like, whenever, like, uh, a new set gets teased, we're always like, oh, that card might be really good in that deck. Or, like, yeah, Dobin's Veto is like, everyone's like, oh, maybe that's Run Blue Light Control. And, like, stuff like that. So it's really fun to, like, talk. And, and Magic is, of course, a very social game, like any of these games, because you have to play against someone. Yeah. But in Magic, you're sort of, like, you're not forced to have a conversation, but you're really forced to know who the person you're playing is in a way. Yeah. In StarCraft, you know, it's, like, all online, or even if it's face-to-face, you don't really have to interact with the person on, like, a social level. Fighting games a little bit more, but this it's like you say good you luck, know, have fun, GG. That's that's yeah. the extent of it usually. But like here, it's like okay, like okay, let's roll for first. Hey, nice name of the show. But anyhow, it's like let's roll for first. And like sometimes you get people who just want to chat you up, and they're really nice and friendly. Sometimes you get people who are awful and don't want to talk, mm-hmm. or people that just mumble. And it's like, so, in some ways, that's fun. In some ways, that's awful. But it's still like a very social way to you know play the game. Yeah. Um... And so I guess like shifting gears a little bit to to round out like your specific magic I guess history and stuff. Um, what is what are your goals specifically and like what what do you see for for modern specifically? Because uh, I, I I guess where I stand is that even though I guess I would consider myself a spike in terms of magic, um, I I think the the term that like uh, you know describes it a little bit better is uh, shout out to uh, um, the dive down podcast for for doing this term, but. They call it the casual spike. It's like someone who like wants to go hard, but you're not like grinding GPs, mm-hmm. but like you want to go to your LGS with like a good deck and do well there. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I am too. Is a casual spike because like Dylan and I, we go to GPs, but like super rarely and just kind of for the fun aspect. Uh, and all that, like I actually have friends who uh, who grind GPs. It's just like and it's cool because it's like they want to get better and they're trying to get better and they're they're learning, but. 
I don't like think that's for me. And I do just want to do well and, you know, doing well at a local scene and just winning money or winning packs and stuff is enough. But, you know, if for some reason, like, you know, six months from now, I just keep going 4-0 at my local scene. And then I like go, like, I maybe then it's like, okay, maybe it's time to go to a regionals, right? And then for some reason, if I do out of regionals, right? Like, because in StarCraft and everything we've been saying, there's like, there is a, like, you can have a noticeable progression, right? Yeah. And there's like, you know, a perfect place to play online. So maybe if Arena ever gets modern, because I'm never going to play MTGO. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that happens where I'm like, oh, crap, like, I am, you know, top 10% in the world, like, maybe then I'll try to make that transition to a real spike, but. I think. So I, I think in Magic, it's probably harder to hit that level than in any esport, just because you are committing way, way more time. So let's just say for Modern, right? Well, I, I guess it just applies to everything because you have to be good at everything if you really want to be like a Magic pro. Yeah. You have to be good yeah. at drafting. You have to be good at basically every every format. So you're playing MTGO all the time, right? You're just grinding mm-hmm. games out with MTGO basically the same amount that you would be playing any other esport. But on top of that, during the weekends, you're also traveling and playing during mm-hmm. the weekends. So for us who, you know, people who have full-time jobs, that's kind of impossible for us to actually try to make that transition. Exactly. Because it's like, God forbid you do really well in your, like, you make it to Sunday. Well, how the heck am I supposed to, like, you know, finish my game and then fly back from like LA to, you know, I live in Michigan, you know, on a Sunday night, right? Without taking work off on Monday. And it's like, no one's going to have enough vacation days to keep taking vacation days uh, every GP weekend. It's, it's crazy. And no one has enough money to fly like that unless yeah. you're a sponsored player or something. So it's it's wild. Uh, it's really hard. And it's like, it takes a special kind of person to want to, want to do that. And like you're saying, it, it might be the... I, like I want to say, everyone probably puts in like a ton of work for any competitive game they're doing. Yeah. But Magic, especially, it's like you got to dedicate real hours of your life. And like, it's also a lot of it. money dedication too, because not only oh, the, wait, not, mm-hmm. not only the travel, but like you're making sure that you have the decks that you need. And yeah, if you have a really competitive scene and you have a really good shop that you made a lot of friends with, I know a lot of people like lend out decks or they'll lend out cards and stuff for someone going to a regional and stuff. But that's still like you're you're still putting in money for different decks, uh, traveling, and then on top of that, MTGO like you you're paying for the decks there too. So that's a second place you're paying for the decks. And on top of that, you're drafting. You need to draft. Like you have to draft. You you you. There's only so far that just like in-house drafts will take you. Mm-hmm. So I it it is it is a huge commitment, and hopefully with with the way that Wizards is kind of restructuring uh, Pro Magic that might be a little bit more viable and easier to do. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't and if know. all these pros keep getting like banned and stuff, like that's going to make it easier for everyone to get better. Right. Like, yeah, like, yeah, now yeah. That gone, like, wow, that's one spot in top eight. That's normally taken open. Right. Like that's good. Like, <laughs> that was really like, egregious, like cheating on his. Half yeah. I don't know if we should talk about that. But it's just, yeah. Like if you haven't seen it, just go look at the images of his sleeves. And like, that's, that's all you need to well, do. Like, I mean, all I'm going to say is like, he deserves, everything that he got because he played tron so like yeah <laughs> like good thing he, like, he got found out if it was a pure deck like like taxes or something then it would have been it would have been sad but not for a tron player so i guess to shift gears a little bit into a different aspect of modern um the next big thing we have coming out is modern horizons and <gasps> we are like oh, a month out we're gonna be getting spoilers pretty soon 
mm-hmm. Wizards, it has this really good, like, perpetual hype cycle with their products, which is kind of oh. disgusting and gross, but also, like, kind of awesome. From, like, a capitalistic, like, yeah. predatory standpoint, you're like, this is, like, an abusive relationship thing, kind of thing. Or not like that, but it's, like, it's like feeding an, an addiction, right? Yeah, because it's like so a month leading up. So the, the so a month leading up to a set, right? It's like all right, here's spoilers. So you're constantly look at them. You're posting about them. You're like spec and you're like, oh man, this card's gonna be insane and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like all right, pre-release weekend. I'm gonna go to like three of them. Gonna run the gauntlet, do like five in a row or whatever. And then it's like okay, next week it's like the set comes out. I'm buying a box. I'm gonna be playing in, in draft weekend. And then all that happens. You're, and then after that, you're like okay. Like, the set's been out for a little bit. I have my new standard deck. And then a week after that, it's like, okay, cool. And then a week after that, it's like, all right, well, time to hype the cycle again for, for a new yeah. deck. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you completely forget about it and jump jump into this new gear. Exactly. There's so many supplemental products, too, where it's like, when the, even like the Challenger decks, like something small like that, it's still like people are hyped for that. It's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, you can get a Rekindling, Kena, uh, Rekindling Phoenix in this deck that's $30 and a Rekindling Phoenix is 20, 20 bucks, 25 bucks. That's crazy, right? So even stuff like that, like, you know, not even big releases, just smaller ones are still crazy cool. Yeah. But regardless, I'm super hyped for, uh, for Mon Horizon. So we should be getting the spoilers pretty soon. Uh, I don't know if you saw what uh, Mark Rosewater was saying, but he said this is like a love letter to Time Spiral. Mm-hmm. in that it's just gonna have like a ridiculous amount of mechanics it's gonna have obviously a lot of legacy cards printed into modern we're gonna see really i think probably weird things because nothing is a reprint that's currently legal in modern so that eliminates a ton of cards yeah so uh sad no fetches um, yeah unfortunately no fetches no jays no lily none of that fun stuff <laughs> No good reprints that would, you know, help the secondary market or... Anything. You know, you know, nothing to help, you know, new pe- people, you know, get into modern, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, but I'm excited too, regardless, just because it is a premium product. So, uh, of course, no one knows what the actual MSRP on a pack is going to be since they kind of like removed that. But it's looking like it's going to be like 10 or 8. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think it's, it's about that because... I think between looking at pre-orders and then looking at MTGO, because they did release the MTGO pack price, they were able to figure out it's like about eight bucks, I think. Yeah, it's like somewhere, yeah, like like a normal old Masters, like ish, like a little less, but like Ultimate Masters, what was that, like 14 a pack or 12 a pack? I think it's like Crazy. 12. So yeah, it is, it is somewhere in between. And obviously just because you're not going to have those, like you're not going to have like a Karn, uh, Karn Liberated, uh, reprint or anything like that yeah so so like hopefully the price makes sense like hopefully a lot of these cards are modern playable like they hopefully they fit into decks because like i think the worst case scenario is that this comes out and the cards like kind of suck and we get like 10 good cards Mm -hmm. do you actually know how many does anyone know how many cards are in a pack um these master sets have like two more cards or something in the pack hmm. or something like that i don't isn't that true am i wrong so so Maybe is they don't have a land slot, right? I think the land slot is different. Uh, how many cards in an M twenty five pack? I think I think you might be right that it's different though. I feel like there's more cards. I I, I, oh God, I this is like the weirdest thing to Google because you'll never find it. Three booster packs. I, okay, I am like ninety eight percent positive that in master sets there's like a few more commons. It's never more rares or uncommons, I think. It's, it's just, just more, more commons. commons. 
Um, but like know, in a powerful set, that's a big deal, right? Like yeah. I think like counter spells a common, right, or something. Yeah, like I mean, I guess if it that's... doesn't get reprinted into a, a, a slot higher, then yeah, yeah that would exactly. be a big deal. And like bolt used to be at one point a common, right? It's yeah, like well, oh great, so you could get you know a higher chance of, like those kind. Of well, I mean, yeah, like, they well they when they reprinted it, they printed it into uncommon. Exactly, so, and I think brainstorm is still. Yeah, maybe the brainstorm, yeah. uh, dark ritual. I think exactly, those yeah. are all commons. I mean, still they're commons. So, yeah. I mean, I, I it's going to be a good set to draft. I think I really think it's going to be a good set to draft. I'm pretty excited about that. Even though I'm not a big drafter, I think mm-hmm. at least from a sealed perspective, I'm going to like it a lot. Um, and I hope so because I'm going to go to like at least one pre-release, and then right after that is GP DC, and uh, Dan's coming down for that actually. Uh, so we're going to be playing uh, a ton of this set. Mm-hmm. Which, like Way I said, more. I hope it's I hope it's actually good modern cards because I'm gonna have all these I'm gonna have all these <laughs> cards. I want to use right? them. That's like because I was telling you that I was like, well, if Counterspell gets reprinted, should I just buy four Counterspells now? But like, I'm also opening a ton of packs, so maybe I'm just gonna get four Counterspells. So I shouldn't buy it, right? Like, it was you know, I don't yeah. know. Um, and they also talked a little bit about uh, Planeswalkers. Mark Rosewater mm-hmm. confirmed a few things about Planeswalkers, so we're getting Sarah. Um, benevolence yeah which is pretty crazy because i mean i have you know i it's not like i've been in magic for that long but this is a big deal i guess because she just hasn't been printed in anything before Mm -hmm. so this is a pretty big deal everyone knows the name sarah too right so yeah exactly yeah um and then we get one more one more planeswalker (gasps) who is it it we don't know it's 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 a new character apparently it's new um, which I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. I, I'm not huge into the lore, especially yeah. like the older lore. Well, where it was like Urza was the first planeswalker, and everything was on Dominari, right? Like I don't. Which I, I mean, that would have been kind of cool if they like actually printed an Urza planeswalker in the set. Besides, besides the one in uh, the meme one. <laughs> is it unhinged? Yeah, it's Un- unhinged. Yeah. Where it takes you to a website. <laughs> Ask Urza. <laughs> you know, so apparently, um, that it just puts a random. Uh, loyalty ability there yeah but they they continue to update that that's like an updated website yeah 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 yeah. i've heard which is like really unfortunate because the first version of that plus one i think it was exactly 20 so you could get a pdf of it they made a pdf of it and you could roll a d20 die if you didn't oh but now there's probably like more or whatever or or maybe that was someone's variation of it yeah yeah there's probably like a weird number like like 302 where you can't roll anything for it but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. There's been a ton of videos on people like, oh, I think this card should be printed into it. Um, honestly, I have no idea what any of it means because it's just not in the legacy. So I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Like you see all those, like, you know, if you watch like, like people who like have cards on YouTube or whatever, and they're like going through binders of like stuff from like fourth edition. I'm like, I don't know what any of these cards do at all. If it's not in modern yeah like okay bird of paradise cool but then it's just like here's some card from ice age and i'm like i don't know and it's so weird because like so many of the iconic really good legacy cards obviously aren't going to be printed in again like you wouldn't you wouldn't print like dark ritual because that will just make modern into like that will ruin modern as a format yeah just turn it into legacy. and so there's like this weird in between of like okay what are cards that are good in legacy but not too good to, to, to make modern not go completely off the rails and just turn into legacy, which I'm still um, on like the the conspiracy theory that they're going to turn modern into legacy. Um, 
get rid of legacy and then do standard plus i'm still on that that conspiracy no, i i am with you and i don't want that to happen but i think it will right where they're gonna be like oops we have too many good cards in modern let's just get rid of legacy and have this and then yeah and then that way standard plus can be an mtg arena format i mean <gasps> they're gonna have to right i so whenever mtg arena first came out i know they had the old you know the older standard cards in there like Kaladesh mm-hmm. and whatever but whenever they rotated they did like a big reset of cards like you didn't lose your cards like you got some compensation like yeah, if you, I, like if you spent any know. gems on the game you got those gems back I don't know if you're asking that as a question. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You said it like, like sort of like with a trailing question mark there. Well, I was just saying things and like, I could just be just saying things just to say things, but I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. Um, (laughs) You're like me where you just spouting garbage. Yeah. And and also it wasn't out that long. And so it made sense why they do that, but they would not do that now. I'm really mad though. Cause I could have swore when they announced MTG arena and then like, I was playing like, because I got in really early because I was playing limited. And at the time, if you put your DCI number and went to, like, the Ixalan pre-release, you got, like, super high priority to the beta. Yeah, right? yeah. So I was in when it was just Ixalan, which was a really weird thing, by the way. Because playing standard in the format of only Ixalan cards is bizarre. <laughs> I played it, and I remember them saying, I could have swore, I, don't, I can't find the quote, though. But they're like, oh, yeah, in MTG, oh, we basically have to program every single card individually to, to make them. But in Arena, we're going to have it so that, like, you it like the engine is smart enough like there's an algorithm that will import cards automatically and it's like so like basically in my opinion I, i'm like kind of a software developer in a way um you could like program something or like you program a keyword right so lifelink yeah. and then now you can apply lifelink to all these cards right so it's like okay cool then you can just import modern and then get all of the cards and then they came out and said they're not doing that i was like well okay no that's a little what? different so here's the thing with that though yeah, you're 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 programming keywords and stuff, but to program all the keywords and weird interactions with modern is like insane. That's actually kind of insane. But okay, but in a way, I'll, I'll argue just because I know about software development. It, you have the rules of magic, right? So if you make a very very robust engine, right? Now I, I know Magic: The Gathering has like the most complex rule set in any game ever, basically. Yeah. That if you program a robust engine that basically is that rule set, right? Like, is essentially, like, a giant branch of if and else's and all this stuff, right? I mean, you know, it's going to be more complicated than that. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're paying software developers to do this anyway. You should, in theory, then, be able to just have all the cards. No, no, right? no, no, and, no. And that's the thing. And I know they haven't done that. Well, no, because, like, uh, so here, like, here is, like, the, the mechanics that they, they, they programmed for, right? Yeah, and right. Like, it's, like, death touch they, life. They, they like, will blah, blah, blah. add, like, maybe one or two ma- new mechanics and stuff like that, and it's like this. It's like this mechanics. To add modern, the mechanics go from this to, like, programming this. Like, it's it's such, yeah. it, it's such like, a gross increase of mechanics and, like, rule sets that, like, you can't really do it, I think, reasonably. Now, they did give a timeline. They were like, all right, well, if it, it could take us this long to do each set. And if we went back, it would take us like five years to program modern or something stupid. But that's not even that bad, though. Five years? I know it's like it's like crazy, but it's like, it's like okay, this okay, game okay. is like, what? how long? How old is this game? It's like 26 years old. Okay, you're not wrong, but here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think they like modern that much. No, because they're trying yeah, no, I yeah, to end to end this conversation, Wizards just doesn't. Well, it, which is weird cuz like they don't care, but then they're also making sets like Modern Horizons. 
which is like really like this is the abusive relationship part where they're like, <laughs> they're like we don't print cards for modern we just modern self-correcting and then they're like here's a card that changes modern that we printed in the set that has literally zero value in this set but that's why we're reprinting it as for modern and you're like, what the heck like, oh, yeah, what, what, they- like why was scapeshift in m19 huh it didn't do anything in that set or there's that new human that's like it reads something like lands cannot be like targeted or oh, played yeah. from the graveyard or something. And you're like, this is literally the most worthless card of all time. Except yeah, but it's in like, modern. Yeah, except it's like, oh, in modern, you can run this against Dredge and then they can't life from the loam or something. You know, like something like that. And it's like, what the heck? This is so <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, I have no idea what they're doing. Um, I just hope that modern will still be good and playable because uh, I don't want to s- have to sell my decks because that would suck. <laughs> but but also, I, I have to argue about this. I do think standard plus could be fun. Like it's just because it's another non, it's an, <laughs> another non rotating format, and I mean that's kind of why modern appeals to you in a way, as you said before. And also, since it's non rotating, it is more powerful than standard. So right? so. Like, Will we will I mean again we're gonna get to those weird funky like there's a weird combination thing here and we'll get those weird tropes. So what you're saying is that if we want this, which we do, we should just play Frontier format. Or what what's like that other one, Tiny Leaders? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tiny Leaders is like a Brawl. Oh dude Brawl. brawl. Uh, uh, they didn't they so the, didn't they do that for MTG Arena for like one of their weird rotating like events they were they added brawl or something. Wait, well, no, that, no, no, no like they a, didn't do that because that's like a commander variant. It's just singleton. Yeah, they just add singleton sometimes. Yeah, and, and also like that's another thing. Like Blizzard just came out and they're like they're like hey like we want to add commander and brawl to this, but also I guess they someone hire better software developers or something like that because it's like they're like they're like we can't figure out how to add the command zone elegantly. That's like really. Like, how? It's like, I mean... Maybe they just can't... The technology isn't there, Dan. It's like Blizzard with their, like, you can't add more slots to Hearthstone, right? We're just like, everyone's <laughs> like, can we have more deck slots? And there's like, the technology just isn't there. And it's- they had to, like, break down the program and, like, r- like change what the program's even based in just to get the deck slots. They were, yeah, it's, it's like somewhere, like, in the very early development, the entire game is tied to there being, like, nine deck well, slots. No, that, that's actually very true with uh, WoW in the backpack. <laughs> The original backpack, and actually, whenever they programmed the game, they couldn't change the slot to the backpack because, like, somehow, like, all the code was, like, built on top of it. And so, like, oh, God. if you changed that, it would literally destroy, like, the game. And so they were just like, oh, they're like, we, we can't, we literally can't do anything about this. It's messed up because, that like, if, if you've ever done any programming, you know that just sometimes ends up happening. And you're just like, oh, no. Like it just it just happens it, sometimes. You're just sometimes like, it's a, yeah. it's the biggest MMO ever made, and then there's nothing you can do. But yeah. you know, and you just have to keep adding on more and more content based upon that just like terrible code. And like and like League of Legends has like the notorious spaghetti code. It was like made in like Java or something, and they like just can't change anything because it was never meant to be this big. I mean, I think that's like just the story of like any like piece of software though like like fallout like programming like the trains as like just really fast people <laughs> underground no, there's like the there's perfect software like vlc media player like google chrome it's just perfect software WinRAR, just like absolutely Ooh. godlike just works right. perfectly as intended it's probably just like three lines of just perfect god code yeah right <laughs> uh all right well i think that's uh that just about wraps up our, our modern talk 
Um, so, so Dan, why don't you uh, give a little shout out? Where, where can people find you if they want to hear your beautiful, beautiful voice? Uh, well, I don't have any like thing like this. So just follow Mechadoo about nothing. Uh, I think that's our t- Twitter at, tag. At Ma- Ma- Mechadoo podcast. <laughs> yeah, right something like that. You. Oh, but you can go to our awesome website, mechadoo.moe. Um, you can thank me for that awesome URL. And you can see all of Ian's really funny pictures. Um, but that's if you want to hear me um, talk about Gundam, I guess. Uh, and, and if you do, uh, contact us. We love our fans. Um, so become one of those people that, you know, berates Ian and I every week. So that'd be really cool. And thanks for having me, Dylan. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I always like talking about magic and especially modern stuff. But uh, thanks, everyone, who stopped by the live stream. Um, we go live. Uh, for this podcast in particular, every other Sunday. Um, so just if you want to keep on top of that, just follow us on Twitter at pop underscore off. Um, our Twitch is twitch.tv slash pop underscore off as well. Um, we have a website popped off.com. Uh, we put up articles. Uh, we put up all our podcasts there. So if you want to keep up to date, just go check that out. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for stopping by or listening. If you're listening on iTunes, Google, Google Play, uh, Spotify, uh, a pod, Podbean. We're literally on all of them. So um, if you have any any podcast uh, platform that you prefer, just search for Roll for First. We're on it. Uh, thanks, everyone.